Grab your Bibles. We're going to continue in this series today. Uh, in Matthew chapter 2, just want to tell you the story of the wise men. I think that that's probably the best story uh, where Christmas is. Look at all these ushers coming forward. Like ushers rushing the stage. Just wanting to hand out Bibles this morning. If you need a Bible, just get their attention and turn to Matthew chapter 2 with us. I know you're juggling cups and candles and... and uh, and, and scripture now, um, doesn't this story just beautifully depict for us uh, the power of light, uh, the promise of light, uh, the beauty of light? And so um, I'm going to put my coffee down, but hopefully Willie doesn't baptize the keyboard just so this candle, it looks like just like we all did it in-house. The staff put it together for me, and uh, uh, Maddie, my son, designed the logo and everything for you just to find a spot at home, special spot on the, on the mantle, uh, kitchen counter, on the bedside stand. Uh, probably not, probably, probably not the one to put on the tree. I'm just saying that, just preventative there. Put the key on the tree. Jesus is the key. Amen? Uh, put the horn on the tree. He's the horn of salvation. He's also the light of the world. You could put it on the tree. I'm just... So when you light it, it sort of kind of looks like, uh, I don't know, it looks like a little bit of uh, coffee with a lot of cream. That's the color, like a little latte color until you light it, and then it melts gold. Wow. You're not even gonna believe it. It's un you're just gonna be like, he's right. And then, uh, if you want, just take a look at it and smell it. You know what that smell is? Frankincense and myrrh. We got all three of the gifts of the Magi covered in the candle. The gold, it melts, it melts gold. You gotta light it. That'll preach. You got to burn to melt gold. You got to, and ultimately, here the goldsmith's looking in, he sees his reflection, and, and all is good. So I just, I want to read you this, but I thought with the whole Lewis deal and the wardrobe deal, isn't this fun? Has this been fun? Are you enjoying this? So cool. It's been great. Um... Lots been going on, a lot's been coming and going. Uh, we had a horn show up, obviously, and a key show up there in the, in the wardrobe for us, and uh, we already have our candles. And so I thought, last time I came out of the wardrobe, and uh, today I thought I'd go in. I thought maybe, would that be all right? I thought maybe I'm gonna take my candle, I'm gonna go inside, and um, I'm gonna read to you uh, the story. Okay, I'll be back. All right, so. Woo! Going for a ride. Matthew chapter 2. Wow, it is pitch dark in here. Hey, wasn't there supposed to be a lamppost on the other side of the wardrobe at the entrance to there? Well, that helps. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. You know what that means? That means when Herod was having a bad day, what? Everybody's having a bad day. You, had, you stayed out of his way, and they're all troubled knowing he's troubled. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, 
are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent him to Bethlehem and said, Go, search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Yeah, right. And when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and it stood over where the young child was. Cue the star. Yeah, and when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. They opened their treasures and they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way another way they returned to their own home another way i just thought that was so cool <laughs> that uh they they were so i came in the room another way <laughs> you, re, you remember when philip is in samaria and all of a sudden the spirit just lifts him up and he's, he's transported to a, a, a road outside of Gaza. He's just like in one place at one moment and then transported. That's what I asked for for Christmas. That's what I'm going for. I just thought that was so cool, huh? <laughs> yeah. Here's what's interesting. When they went home to their own country another way, Here's what's interesting. They no longer had a star to guide them. Did you ever kind of like do the math on that? But now they've found the star. They've met the star. They've worshiped the star. And the star has moved in to their heart, to their, to their life. These, these kings, I'm telling you straight up, church, this morning, here, here's your application. These kings go home another way. Gosh, I hope that that would be your experience this Christmas. Even this morning, because of the faith that could be lit in your heart, that you'd go home another way. You'd find the Savior. You'd worship the Lord. You would allow his light to illuminate your life. They no longer had the star to guide them up in the sky, but they had met that light. And that light had, had now moved in and, and taken over their life. That, that's what we need. That's what we need to realize as wise men and wise women in this church that have gathered together this morning and, and uh, have put the preeminence on the worship of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that somehow this week with all of its hustle and bustle and running around and preparations and, 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 and a presence and, and he, he, he can't, he, church, he can't, he can't get lost in the shuffle of all of that. It seems to me the darker that things get, the brighter his light in us should shine. 
as the sun can be seen only by its own light, Isn't that interesting that the sun doesn't rely on some other source of light to illuminate. As, as, as the sun can be seen only by its own light, so Christ, so Christ can be seen only by his spirit. And it seems to me today in North County and our country, California and the world, it seems that there is enough light for those who desire to see, as Blaise Pascal would say. There's enough light, college students, young bucks home for Christmas, ready to tear it up, maybe some of you just embarking on your career. Know this, Pascal said it. There's enough light for those who desire to see and there's enough shadows to blind those who don't. And as dark as it's getting out there, the more we need the symbolism and representation of this candle to represent his light and presence within our lives. And that we wouldn't hold back, that we would know together that time is short and it is, it, it is time for us to lighten up, to let our light so shine before the Lord, that men would, would see our, our good works and they would glorify our Father who's in heaven. That is ultimately where Lewis lands. He's been an ardent atheist, this intellectual, sophisticated, I know more and I don't need professor over at Cambridge guy. And he finally says this, I love this quote. He says, I believe, I believe in Christianity. He finally allowed his dark heart to be illuminated with the light. And he declares, I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Let this illuminate everything in your heart and in your life, in your relationships, in your, in your, in your career, in your comings and in your goings. From here on out, you'll be influenced by the people that you meet and the books that you read and the decisions that you make. And I pray that you would put Christ preeminently in that spot of your heart where he deserves alone to be placed and magnified and worshiped as the wise men do. The only successful way for them to depart back to their homes another way is with light. Think about it. That's what light does. We take light for granted we don't realize how valuable and precious it is to us until it's absent, until it's missing. The only way that they could successfully depart and then return home another way was to rely as much on their way home as they had on their way to Bethlehem. No longer with some brightened beam in the sky, but now the new resident of light in their heart. And that's exactly what the Gospels would be declaring to us. And well, as many of you know, this Christmas adventure, as we've been studying through the Gospels, uh, is a story quite covered, I would say, by all four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're like, well, wait a minute, Bob. We've been studying through the Gospels. I'm, I'm not sure all of these Gospels. Well, let's look at it just for a second together. This Gospel story, this Christmas adventure, via the combined writings of both Matthew, we've seen it, 
And I love the fact that he includes the story of the wise men here. Matthew does in chapter two, as we've seen. Certainly Matthew would be wanting to uh, concentrate in his particular format and, 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 and specific direction of the audience that he's trying to reach through his gospel on the physical birth of Jesus. And on these wise men, and some of you are like a little bit confused with the fact that were, were the wise men there at the actual Christmas Eve? No, they're traveling. They had a long way to go, man. They're coming all the way from like India and Southeast Asia and not just Three of them, we limit the wise men to the three gifts. Three gifts, yeah, but many magi. This is a convoy, and they have been on the road for months. And here is Matthew in chapter two would declare, probably months after now, the actual birthday, these wise men finally appear. And having first gone to Herod, he is freaking out. That guy is holding on to control as much as, if not more, than a lot of people you know in your lives right now that are just holding on as dearly and tightly as they can, realizing that there really isn't much we control at all. And Luke also, Luke, Matthew and Luke, obviously, Luke chapter two, Matthew chapter two, are talking about the physical birth. Mark's gospel, you're like, Mark's God, where's the Christmas in Mark's gospel? Mark would roll out the spiritual birth as Matthew and Luke would roll out the physical birth. Mark's talking spiritual birth. Mark begins his gospel when? When's he begin it? The baptism, the spiritual birth, the Christmas day of Jesus beginning his earthly ministry at the age of 30 and the spirit would descend, Mark begins his gospel, descend from heaven and land on Jesus like a dove. So it would be this spiritual impartation, this, this beginning, this birth of the ministry that then by the Spirit would take Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted, up into Galilee to perform all sorts of miracles, all the way up into Lebanon, Tyre and Sidon, way down south to the east side of the Jordan as he goes to the Gadarenes over to Gadara and part of the Decapolis and throughout all of Jerusalem, ultimately that Spirit would lead him to a cross. And so Mark marks the beginning of his gospel with the miracle of the spiritual birth and baptism of Jesus as he begins his ministry. And then you got John. You got, you got look at John with me. Just turn with me. Look at, look, at, look at John. I mean, if you got Matthew and Luke that are focusing on the physical birth, you got Mark that's focusing on the spiritual birth and roll out then of the specific purpose and reason as to why Jesus came. What's John's emphasis? The eternal, the eternal side of the Lord to which John declares this in the beginning. And you just gotta take that word beginning for a second, that word beginning, and however far you can stretch your mind back to the beginning, you would then have to times that by a billion eternities. A billion eternities. to even begin to scratch the surface of what John means by in the beginning, for there never was a beginning, he always was in the beginning. And a billion eternities before that beginning, and a billion before, a trillion before that, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Matthew and Luke, very interested in you understanding the physical birth of our Savior, Mark wanting you to know there was also a spiritual birth as the Spirit would descend and take over his life. He did nothing of his own accord, only in obedience to the word of his Father. And John would want you to know that they have been inseparable for all eternity. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things, how many things? Come on, church. All things were made through him. Through him, through who? Through the word, the word that was with God, the word that was God, the word that became flesh, Merry Christmas, and dwelt among us. All things were made through him. His first 
words according to Colossians chapter three in the creation rollout of Genesis was this, his first word, light be and light was. Let there be light, literally in Hebrew, light be, light on, all things, including light was made through him and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life. Here's John, look what John says. In him was life and the life was the light of men. And the light is what I really, I really, need, I really want you to grasp this with me this morning. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not now, if you have a New King James, New King James is typically the version that I teach through here at Horizon on the weekends. But I would have to say, this morning, I would have to confess, not the best translation. And the darkness did not, see that word, comprehend it. If you have a good study Bible, you'll notice in the margin that's really not the word that John uses. And they've sort of done their best in the New King James Version to get us to understand, but the margin helps us to understand it even more. Because in the margin of your Bible, it's not the word comprehend. What's the word? Anybody got it? What's the word? And if you don't have a good study Bible, get one for Christmas. That'd be a great gift over in the Horizon Bookshop right there, huh? Because here the word that John uses, a fascinating word, is that the darkness did not overcome the light. You gotta know that going forward because it's getting dark out there, church. And I don't want any of the darkness to dissuade you. I don't want any of the agenda right now that's going down where this administration is concerned, where this government is concerned, where the decisions are being concerned, where drag queens showing up the White House are concerned, where an attack on marriage is concerned, where our border was absolutely crazy to find any other country that doesn't have a border. I mean, all of this, you're just kind of like, darkness is winning. No, John says, no. John says, John says, the darkness is not overtaking the light. There's the word, they threw it up there, katalambano. Katalambano, that's a fun word. Say it with me, say it. Katalambano. Sounds a bit Italian. I'll have a vente catalambano. <laughs> it's actually Greek, it's two words, kata. Lambano, to take down, to take down, to overtake, to seize, that's what it means. friend here last night, six o'clock service. A lot of prayers going on afterwards, a lot of discussion, a lot of thought about this. Is there a trap door? What do you keep doing? Is it, how'd you, you know, beyond all that, we kind of got, and, and one guy came up and he said, Bob, I don't know if you know this, but I'm really into karate, and kata is a, is a form of karate. It's a form of a takedown. And John literally is using that word, saying, saying to us this morning that as dark as it gets out there, as dark as it gets up there in Sacramento, as dark as it gets down at the border, as dark as it is in DC. The light will not be pinned. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> the light will not be pinned. The light will not be seized. Catalambano, it's the same word Mitch was teaching a few weeks ago about the demoniac over there in Gadara when Jesus comes to visit him, right? And and, and, and the same word is used because this guy is seizing the town. And everybody's like living on edge. They're living in fear. They're like 
hoping from their office back to their house, this guy doesn't jump him. So he's ultimately put in chains. He's cutting himself. He's seizing the town. He's catalambano. It's the same word when the scribes and the Pharisees catch this woman in the act of adultery. And they bring her in and they throw her down at the feet of Jesus. They caught the lambano. They're like, we caught her in the act. And Jesus is sort of like looking at him like a bunch of peeping Tom pervs. He's sort of like, um, yeah? Yeah, well, what do you say? The, 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 Torah, the Torah says she ought to be stoned. And they throw her down. They pin her down. And Jesus leans down next to her begins to write in the sand, not exactly sure what he's writing in the sand. Some people assume what he's writing in the sand are the sins of all of the other accusers that have brought her in and overtaken her in the act of her sinful adultery. He just starts writing in the sand all their sins. And one by one, these guys start dropping their rocks as Jesus says, you know, the first guy among you that has not sinned, you go ahead and throw that rock at her head. And they all start dropping their rocks and they walk away. And Jesus says to the woman, woman, where are your accusers? And from her catalambano position of being seized and overtaken in the act, she looks around and she goes, they're gone. Jesus looks at her and says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Literally, literally, go. And be overtaken by sin no more. Go home another way. And at, exactly at that moment, you know what he says? He says, John 8, verse 12, he says, I'm the light of the world. He's saying this in, 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 in reference to, to these sleazebags who are coming in holier than thou, pinning her down, overtaking her in the act, holier than, and, 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 and he's like, I've shed some light on this. Because I'm the light of the world, and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He's saying light wins. It can be mad dark and all you need is a little pin light. We could have done that. Budget didn't allow. You could add like a little laser pin light for your advent, you know? It's like all you need. And it busts through even the thickest darkness. So it's Amazing that John would declare this. It's amazing that Jesus, you'll see in the episode of The Chosen, if you're watching it this evening from the Sermon on the Mount, I think, I think episode two from season three is tonight, and it's beginning to get into the, into, into the most amazing sermon of all, the Sermon on the Mount. And in the midst of that, he's like, um, if someone grabs your tunic if, 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 if somebody like that demoniac over in Gadara seizes Catalambano, your tunic, give him your coat also. You got a lot in the closet. Don't in your heart ever for a moment or a wink Give in to the thought that darkness wins. Because John is declaring to us as, 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 as dark as, as darkness gets, the darkness will not overwhelm, will not overtake, will not catalambano the light. And you're like, well, it wasn't as dark then, is it? it oh, oh. Like we think it's only hard now. Let's just for a second think about not only what John says, but when he says it. Because when he says it is fascinating because he says it. You know what's happened in John's life? Know this about John. When John is penning now his gospel, the gospel of John, all of his colleagues have died. 
He's the sole survivor. He's the last one standing. His, his, his good buddy, his younger brother, his pal, James, James and John. Remember, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, like the first one Jesus meets along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he's like, hey, buddy, lads, come on, follow me, mates, right? James is dead. John has watched James get run. This isn't James, the writer of the book of James. That's Jesus' stepbrother who didn't believe any of this until after Jesus rose from the dead. This guy's living under the same roof with Jesus. He ain't believing any of it until, he, until the resurrection. And then he writes the book of James. This is a different James. Can I just show you just for one sec? Turn to Acts 12. Turn to Acts 12 with me, just real fast. Look at this. Did you know this was in here? This is fascinating. Look at verse one. And about that time, Herod the king, grumpy Gus, right, this guy, holding on to power, holding on to control. Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church, verse two, and killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. James, out. John witnesses it. That's the only martyrdom of the disciples recorded in scripture other than Judas who goes out and hangs himself. Like, well, hold on, wait a minute now, Peter. Yeah, I know, Peter, tradition tells us, Peter's dead by now also. Probably in Jerusalem. When the book of Acts wraps up, he's still in Jerusalem. When he writes his, his letters, still in Jerusalem. No evidence whatsoever, sorry. Uh, no evidence whatsoever that Peter ever went to Rome didn't speak the language, actually needed a scribe to help translate his common tongue of Aramaic. Just a fisherman. Probably didn't even speak Greek all that well because he uses Sylvanus to translate his letters, right? Just read it. So I'm in Rome and we're on this tour and we're going through the Vatican and everything and I kind of turn to my guide, everyone's Catholic, right? And I'm like, you know, there is absolutely no historical or biblical proof that Peter was ever in this town. And the guide looks at me and he says, just go with it. <laughs> I'd rather just go with this. And what we know is by this time, John's the only one left. Here's the list, James gets slain, Peter gets slain. Yeah, now tradition would teach us that he gets crucified, Peter does, and he's like, I'm not worthy to be crucified in the same manner to which my Lord was, and they crucify him upside down. But it's not in the Bible, okay? Be careful what you're building your life on. Here we would know James is gone, Peter's gone, all the rest of them are gone. Some of them by the sword, some of them hung, uh, some of them skinned alive. John was actually dipped in a vat of boiling oil. John was, didn't kill him. He's a bit medium well by now, but he's, it didn't. But all the apostles now, other than John, have died. Paul's dead. Paul has suffered a brutal execution by Caesar in Rome. He's gone. Got no friends left. By the time John writes his gospel, the temple has been destroyed in Jerusalem. There's no more activity of families coming and going. The church has been toppled. Can you imagine? I mean, we think we've got it bad now. We're up against some challenges and economics, you know, and gas prices. And he's like, the temple's gone. They're not doing any sacrifices any longer. This whole deal is in shambles. And after all of that, John pins his gospel and says, the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness didn't win. The darkness didn't overwhelm it. The darkness didn't pin the light. You know, I just, 
I hope that would challenge you and I to not in any way allow what's happening around us to snuff out our light. Catalambano ultimately means that the light gets blown out. It gets snuffed, it gets pinned, it gets seized. And, and here John is simply beginning his gospel with the heart and the thought of you and I going forward from this moment with the full faith and realization and confidence of knowing darkness ain't gonna win. And we need to shine all the brighter as a result of that. John's light kept shining. The wise men's light, although now transferred out of the heavens and into their hearts, kept shining as they went home another way. Listen, we end up taking light for granted. We'll put the candle on a mantle. We'll put the candle, you know, in a like special spot in the family room on the kitchen counter. It's just like, you know, we'll just enjoy its shine. Listen, listen, please, listen. We don't shine to shine. Leave that to the car wash. <laughs> we get confused on this. A lot of us eat sort of with this first world mentality that we eat to enjoy. We don't eat to enjoy. Do you know, for the majority of the world this morning, their greeting with each other isn't hi. Their greeting to each other isn't how are you. Their greeting for the majority of the world on this planet today is what? Have you eaten? Have you had your rice today? You don't shine to shine. You don't, well, I just, we're still kind of like pondering what we should actually eat on Christmas. I, I know it's got, we could have turkey, we could have this, we could have that, we could do a roast, we could do lasagna. What do we just like? And we've forgotten the whole concept that we actually eat to survive and we shine to see. Otherwise, darkness prevails. We, I know that for some of you, this is sort of like overly simplistic, but I don't know. For types like me, I'm like, duh, wow. In the simplest of terms, when the light shines, we go on seeing. My grandkids are freaked out at the age that they're at right now by the darkness and monsters in the closet. So the point is, we shine so that we can see the darkness bows the moment the light goes on. And the point is simply this, that, that that without him, here's what John's saying, with, with, without him, church, please, horizon, without him, we'd still be living in the dark. Without, without him. And you can like drape it all up with, with all sorts of myopic successes in this society, but without him, we're blind. Without him, we're just groping for the switch. Because light is what lets you see. Lighthouses don't shine to shine. Well, it's like, oh, let's go to, let's go see the lighthouses, man. They're awesome in British Columbia. And they are. They're awesome on the East Coast. They are. They're awesome on Point Loma. They are. They're not shining to shine. They're shining to be seen. To help those that are lost or in harm's way. Light is what lets you see and without it, you can't. Here's the problem. We think we can. 
think we can see without the light just fine. The older I get, the more I realize that is not true. (laughs) Secondly, I just have four thoughts for you. We'll wrap this up. That's my first thought. Without them, you're still in the dark. Second, you're never going to see what he wants you to see if you're only willing to believe what you naturally see. You're never going to be able to fully grasp and experience and, 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 and realize all that he has for you if you're, if you're going to only believe what you understand. I mean, Mary brings this point home in the Christmas story, right? I mean, the angel comes and says, Mary, guess what? I mean, you have been chosen. You are, this is unreal. You're gonna have a kid. And the kid you're gonna have is the savior of the world. She's got a decision to make right there. In fact, she fires back to the angel. It's just not like any angel. This is Gabriel. This is the top dog. This is the guy. And she's like, everything that you have just said to me is 1,000% impossible. I don't know a man. I am, we're, 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 not, we're not married. We, we haven't gone there yet. We're not doing that. It is, no way. And, and the angel, I just love this encounter, right? Just sort of like, oh, man. Um, watch that one on The Chosen. It's just sort of like, I mean, just bring that whole thing to life. And, and the angel sits down next to her and he just sort of like pulls up a stool and he's like, Mare, the Holy Spirit's gonna do this. This isn't gonna be done naturally. This isn't gonna be done based on your understanding. If you're only going to, and it's like types like this all across this town right now. Holy Spirit's gonna come upon your life. And miraculously, you're gonna conceive this kid. You know what Mary says? Let me sum it up for you. You know what she says? I see. I believe. What's she say? What's she really say? What's the Lord want you to say? Have your way. Do your thing. Uh, Logically, it's a non-starter. Biologically, impossible. Supernaturally, the light goes on. I'm like, fervently praying for some of you in the room right now, I am begging that you would just allow the Lord graciously by his same spirit to flip that switch, to let that light come on. Because logically, maybe biologically, maybe just like historically, maybe just like all of these things, right? And yet she comes to the point in her life of seeing what the angel says. And her response, sign me up. And she's blessed, big time, because of her faith. Here's the light bulb. Don't let your limits limit him. Because thirdly, that's what Zacharias does. Same angel comes to Zacharias and says, Zach, you're not gonna believe this, old man. You're having a kid. No way. Dried up, too old, post-menopause. Ain't happening. It's exactly straight up what comes out of Zacharias, right? It's got the same logical, biological concerns that Mary has. What's the difference? The difference is it takes him nine months of silent treatment (laughs) 
to get to the point where Mary gets to immediately and saying, sign me up for the supernatural. Zacharias is like, you know, she's buried. It was just like, we never had a kid. I can't even believe this is ever gonna happen. And, 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 and the angel says, well then for her whole pregnancy, you ain't saying a word. Now you gotta understand, there's already been a silent treatment. There's been a silent treatment for 400 years. God has said nothing. Heaven has whispered not a single note since the end of the Old Testament. Four centuries. And Zacharias has to extend that silent period for another nine months, man. And he's just like, oh, I'm going to sit on it. So one, in all of their logical concerns and biological limitations. One is led to a place of surrender. The other is led to a place of suspicion. That pretty much splits the crowd. So what's the point? Well, um, without him, you're still living in the dark. Don't, don't, don't limit him based on your own limitations. And, and all of these reservations that you might still have? Well, I just like need, I need a little bit more data. If I could just have a little bit more info. Surrender the reservations. Because that's ultimately what happens with the wise men. That's point number four. Wise men, back to our wise men. They go with what they got. They don't get an angel showing up. Did you ever see that in the story? Joseph gets an angel. Hey, Joe, just like his heads up, what's going down here? These guys are running kingdoms. These are some of the wealthiest guys on the planet. They don't get some angel visitation. They get, they get a star, and they go with what they got. And they follow that star. That star leads them to a babe leads them to a savior. This premonition within their heart becomes so undeniable that they pack up and they leave the comforts of their own kingdoms and palaces and they begin this journey of faith because what they have is enough. They took what they've got and they begin like Abraham. Abraham also, right? You remember, Abraham didn't know where he was going. He's like, where are we going? And he just has to step out one foot in front of the other. And, and, and wisdom ends up worshiping the king. The wisdom, okay, that for this town is written backwards. Because this town worships wisdom. But the true wisdom from above is the wisdom of worship. And they go with what they have been given. And they don't allow any of the, of the obstacles or the unknowns or the blanks that still need to be filled in and the and, and the dots that still need to be connected, they, they don't, listen, I, I realize there is, there is ample reason why you would be thinking that there are monsters in the closet, but there's not. There's a light. And the darkness has to flee. The, 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 the darkness has no choice in the matter. It's gone. Darkness has met its match. And John, John sums it up beautifully at the end of his gospel in John chapter 20. He says, truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which aren't even written in this book. They're not like all even included. But these have been written. Church, church. These are what we have. And I'm just wondering for some of you this morning, is what we've got enough? 
well, I don't know, I just really need to know if he's going to be, he died on a cross for you. He rose from the dead for you, is what he's, he came out of heaven and was born this baby. These have been written that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing, church, that believing you may have life in his name. Believing you would have life in his name because he has overwhelmed the darkness and has stepped out of heaven to be for us the savior of the world. And whom has the Son has life. And with life comes his light to fill us, to carry us, to guide us, direct us. Word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. I pray with all my heart for you this morning that as a result of that, you'd go home a new way. May faith light your path, and may your path lead you to the Savior in Jesus' name. Would you stand with us? Come on, let's sing together.